This is Dish City. I'm Ruth Tam. And I'm Patrick Fort. We're a podcast from WAMU where we explore city change through D.C.'s iconic foods. And we just wrapped up our first season, but... Surprise! We're popping up in your podcast feed to say Happy Thanksgiving. We're super thankful for a lot of things this year, including you. We wanted to share a little something with you. When our season launched, a guy named Charles reached out to us. So my name is Charles Duan. I'm a I'm a think tank person, um, so the most D.C. job possible. Charles has been living in D.C. since 2012, and last year he started a new tradition for his Friendsgiving festivities. We met up with him and wanted to share our conversation with you all. Like me, Charles had an internship in D.C. before moving here full time, and that's when he first was introduced to local D.C. culture and food. I was working on a nonprofit, and the folks there were, you know, just into D.C. culture. So they showed us around. They took us to um, Ben's Chili Bowl. They took us to the Black Cat, to the 930 Club. So, you know, got to see a lot of the, um, the more local aspects of D.C. The other thing that I did kind of on my own was just go around to the Ethiopian restaurants over on U Street. By the time Charles moved here full time, he was ready to explore the Washington region through food like we did. When you first came here, would you have considered yourself like uh, a foodie type of person? So we we were definitely people who were into food. Uh, my wife came down to visit a couple of times, and she just fell in love with the Ethiopian food. Um, you know, just from from those experiences. When we moved to D.C., we ended up buying a place in Adams Morgan, largely because the place was about two blocks away from Karen. So, you know, the um, the the sort of local foods have always been kind of a thing for us. Yeah. Quick question: mm-hmm. How much did you partake in Jumbo Slice your first summer here? In Jumbo Slice, um, I actually didn't have too many Jumbo Slices the first summer I was here. He knows enough. <laughs> he knows well enough. Dang it. <laughs> um. As someone who didn't grow up here, why did you want to get to know the city via its foods? So I feel like, you know, I've, I've lived in a lot of cities at this point, and you really do just get to know kind of what the local culture is based on the types of foods. Because, you know, it tells you a lot about the the, the types of people who live there, the type of people who have immigrated um, to the area. The thing about local foods is that they're, they're local foods not because there's one place that makes them, but because there are lots of places that make them, right? There are tons of Ethiopian restaurants. There are tons of pupusarias. Um, and what that means is that you get to try out all of these different places and kind of compare and learn what are the similarities, what are the differences, and figure out, you know, what you like and what, what makes the food special. You did something really interesting for your friends giving last year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? We did. So we decided to do a D.C. local foods-themed Friendsgiving, um, in which basically we made all of the traditional Thanksgiving dishes, but put a sort of D.C. local food spin on them. Um, The idea, I think, came up because of the fact that about a month before then, we had kind of come up... um, just you know, just improvisationally with a with an interesting injera based stuffing, uh, we made a green bean casserole that involved half smokes. Uh, we made we made, so I think the biggest hit was the um, was the cranberry mumbo sauce. So we basically made a combination mumbo sauce cranberry sauce. 
Um, we made a chicken yasa casserole, so that was kind of our turkey turkey dish. Um, and we made sweet potato pupusas, which were a lot of fun to to make. Had you made the pupusas before? So this was the first time we'd made pupusas. It was a it was a fun and interesting experience. The interesting thing we learned about it, though, is that the technique for making pupusas is actually very similar to the technique for making um, Chinese stuffed buns. The only difference is that um, instead of you know, steaming them in the form of a round bun, you flatten them out um, into into the pupusa shape. But it ended up being that we can make them very quickly because my wife is very skilled at making these buns. So she was able to essentially make uh, pupusas using the same technique. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that. And I think the between the pupusas and the cranberry mumbo sauce, um, those 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 I think were the two biggest hits of the um, of of the meal. How many people did you feed with all of this? We probably had about forty people in in our condo. Um, it was <laughs> a lot insane. of people. Well, so the the trick that we use is we invite all of the families. It's basically a way of getting other people to watch our kids while we're cooking. <laughs> <laughs> That's smart. And so you know we just had a ton of kids who were running around. I feel like. You had sort of an interesting challenge on your hands, too, because people have such deep associations with this holiday and with the foods more than Mm -hmm. anything else, really. And in a way, you're kind of like subverting that. You're like, we're just going to ignore this whole part and then do our own thing. How did people take it when they got there? You know, the interesting thing I think about food is that it's a lot more acceptable to remix and, you know, you know, combine ideas. Um, you know, you, you think about, like, like, music, and, you know, people love remixes of music, but you'll have folks who say, you know, that's, that's untrue to the original style or, you know, that's copyright infringement, something like that. With food, you really don't have that sort of sense. People are very willing to accept the idea of, um taking taking a dish and then transforming it into something else. So yeah, you know, I, I don't think we we um got any pushback on sort of like why aren't you making the regular turkey or anything like that. Patrick is not telling you this, but he actually doesn't really like Thanksgiving food. Like Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that my was, secret. So that was actually part of the motivation behind this. You know, we didn't want to you... make like just regular turkey, right? <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back Char, my lovelies. <laughs> my bridges. <laughs> so you used to work in tech, and now you um, are at a think tank. Does anything about what you do, you know, for your for your nine to five job, come out in the way that you cook or the way that you experiment? So yeah, you know that that's actually really interesting because um, you know what the in, in my in my day job at at the think tank, I mostly spend time thinking about um, intellectual property policy, so patents, copyrights, and so what that involves is thinking about how to get people to be creative. Um, and one of the things that's interesting about this, you know, when you start surveying the world of creativity, you see a lot of different fields where, you know, creativity is just, it, it, it just kind of comes up from the grassroots. Um, you know, a lot of times people are being creative just because they feel that sort of um, urge and they feel that 
that that pride once they've created something. Um, and you know, I feel like that's especially true in the in the cooking space, and especially the idea that with food, more so than anything else, it's really acceptable to remix ideas. You know, nobody expects a you know even the the greatest chefs to come up with new dishes just out of nowhere, right? They're always taking influences from some culture, from some other thing that they've had, um, from the types of ingredients that they have available. You know, the idea that um, f- that creates Creativity in the food space is really all about remixing. I think is um, it, it's it's really at its strongest when it comes to when it comes to food. For sure, but people get upset when they see what they consider to be an appropriation of culture in food. Um, when there is a fusion thing happening, that um, what people perceive to be like a disrespect in terms of um, not honoring a food culture's traditions and its heritage, that kind of thing. Even though all food, you know, is influenced by other things, you know, how do you go about discerning where those lines are? It's interesting because I remember about a year ago, there was a, I think it was a Swedish official who made a public apology for stealing the meatball from the from Turkey. Um, I, I think the, the theory was that they had imported the kofta into Sweden and had turned the meatball into like the national dish. And you know the the, the article that I wanted to write was, don't apologize for the meatball, right? What you've done is you've taken the meatball and you've made it into something that's very special to Sweden. You know, it's not the same meatball that you have that that you that you took from Turkey. But the fact that you're referring to it, I think, honors that culture in addition to reflecting the fact that you can add something to it and make it your own. All of the DC dishes that um, you know we, we've talked about, pupusas, Ethiopian food, um, mumbo sauce, they're, they're all imports into, into DC. But what makes them special about DC is the fact that so many people have worked with them. Um, they've tried out different uh, variations on them. You know, there are all of these different little restaurants that are you know, putting their own special little twist on it. That's what makes the food um, local to DC, in a sense. It's not the fact that we invented the pupusa, right? Everybody knows that the pupusa is um, Salvadoran, but we've added our own sort of special twist to it, and I think that that's kind of the the line between um, you know between honoring somebody's culture and disrespecting it, where you're taking the food and you're making it clear that you recognize the fact that this is something that you borrowed, but you've also done things that make it your own. You know, we're not improving upon them. They're not, you know, the things that we're making are better than the original culture, but they're different and they're adaptations that make sense for, um, for you know, our particular place and our particular time. If we had called this, you know, this is just like our random cranberry sauce that we invented, I think that would be kind of unfortunate because we wouldn't be um, referring to that tradition of mumbo sauce, which is where we came up with the idea. The fact that we called it cranberry mumbo sauce tells people, yeah, you know, we're borrowing this from the Chinese takeout places and from the, the soul food restaurants. Um, that have you know that have really perfected this dish, and you know we're adding our own twist to it, but we're not ignoring the fact that we we did borrow, um, and we we did take advantage of all of that all of that cultural knowledge that's gone into this one dish. I love that you just like embrace like, risk <laughs> and like you know danger and like, <laughs> uh, you know anything that's that's the like Indiana unpredictable. Well, luckily, there are not too many lives at stake when it comes to making pupusas. <laughs> Not a high risk Friendsgiving. Okay. Uh, mostly, mostly the worst thing that can happen is you just have to order a bunch of jumbo slice. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> That'll be it, like jumbo slices your backup plan. That's such a good idea. Uh, great. I'm going to do that when, when, if and when my Friendsgiving falls through. <laughs> I'm just going to have like Pizza Mart on speed dial. Thanks so much for coming in, Charles. Thanks for having me. Thanks. We got Charles to write down his recipes for us, and we had WAMU's Thanksgiving potluck coming up, so Patrick and I got together to try some of them out. Ruth, what are you working on over here? We are tackling the mushroom injera stuffing, and I've got about a pound of mushrooms, and they need to be minced. Um, I suppose I could get started on the cranberry mumbo sauce. In this bowl, we have grated ginger and a crap ton of ketchup, and it smells exactly like mumbo sauce. All right, into the pot goes things that make this cranberry sauce mumbo sauce. I really taste all the elements. Like, I taste yeah. the ginger, I taste the soy sauce, I taste a hint of the hot sauce. So we're done? We're calling the cranberry sauce done? I think it's great. I think you nailed it. Cool. Good job, team. Look at this. I mean, you can't see it because it's on the radio, but listen to this. Char, my lovelies. <laughs> my bridges. <laughs> still a lot of butter for, eh, whatever, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, wait, and this is when the whiskey goes in too, isn't it? That's a shot? That's a shot. Okay. Eh? Uh, there you go. <laughs> That's two shots. No, it's not. <laughs> It's Thanksgiving! It's Thanksgiving! <laughs> Does it coat the back of a spoon? Yes. Oh. That's a lot of bourbon. Nine minutes from our sausage green bean casserole thing. I didn't think that I wanted the injera to be like in such small pieces, but like given what stuffing is supposed to be. It's really good. We made food! You can try Charles's DC Thanksgiving dishes yourself. We put his recipes up at dishcity.org slash Thanksgiving. For more stuff like this episode, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dish City. There we share our favorite food articles and also fun photos of us reporting and cooking. Thanks. See ya. Bye.